0: Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schnugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. Uh, last week's message subtitle was Confession Brings Possession. I want to carry on in that vein of thinking. Uh, and the subtitle of today's message is The Power of the spoken word. So are you ready? Let's launch out. Hallelujah. For some of you, this is like reminders of what you've already heard before and things that you're walking in. Um, and for some of you, it's like, oh, I heard it before, but I haven't quite put it into action. This is the moment for me to now become a doer of the word that I'm hearing. And uh, people say, you know, say uh, when we talk about faith uh, and sometimes we we call ourselves we call ourselves faith people, people of faith, or we call ourselves word of faith. People say, what is the word of faith? Well, what we're discussing right now, that is the word of faith. All right. So uh, let me start out uh, reading in the, in the gospel of Luke chapter 17, uh, verse 5 and verse 6. And uh, it says, and the apostles said to the Lord, to Lord Jesus, increase our faith, and the Lord said, if you had faith, like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Um, it is not uncommon for Christians to say, or to pray, say, God, give me more faith, uh, or Lord, increase my faith. Uh and of course, the disciples come to Jesus here and say, Lord, increase our faith. They saw a faith in Jesus, and they wanted it. And they said, Lord, why don't you increase our faith too? But you see, faith doesn't come by asking for it. We found out from Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing. All right? Faith comes by hearing. It doesn't come by praying for it. It comes by hearing. So if we want more faith, we need to do more hearing. Uh, And we need to go back uh, to the Word again and again and let faith come into our hearts as we hear the proclamation, the reading of the Scriptures, because that's how faith comes. Now, I am reminded that when Jesus uh, spoke to Peter just before Jesus was crucified, and he said to Peter, he says, Peter, he says... uh, uh, Satan has desired, he desires you, and he wants to sift you as wheat. He says, but I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. All right? We can certainly pray for other people that their faith would not fail, but we can't give them more faith by praying for them so that they get more faith. All right? We, faith comes by hearing. Um, And so it's important for us to understand that. Then Jesus goes on to say, without sort of responding to their request, he he says, well, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this this, uh, uh, mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So in other words, it's not the size of your faith that counts. It's what you do. With your faith. Let me say it again it's not the size of your faith that counts. Don't get yourself concerned over the size of your faith, whatever that size may be right now. All right? Faith can increase like a muscle, it can diminish if you starve it. Um, And uh, in fact, Kenneth Copeland used to insist that faith never stands still, it's either going forwards or it's going backwards. All right? So that's why we're forever pumping on faith because we don't want to go backwards. It's a bit like when you're swimming upstream in a river. The moment you stop paddling, you're floating downhill. All right? So, um, and then people then look at this mustard seed here. If you had faith like a mustard seed, uh, and then people talk about our mustard seed is only, you know, uh, little and so forth. Don't concern yourself with the size of the mustard seed or with the size of your faith. It's what you do. He says, if you had faith you would say, if you had faith, you would say. If you had faith, you would speak. Um, and in this instance, he says that you can speak to this tree and command it to be uprooted and plucked in, uh, you know, thrown into the sea. Somehow, I do not believe that Jesus uh, was literally talking about us moving trees around by um, our faith or trying to move physical mountains, but everybody's got a mountain in their life. That mountain could be a financial need. That mountain could be a relationship, uh, trouble, that mountain could be all a, a mountain of sickness or disease, and those are the mountains that God wants us to speak to and address and command them to be, you know, uh, you know pushed into the uh, sea, as it were. So, you see, it's not the, fa- the size of the faith, it's what we do with it, and faith has to be released out of our heart by speaking faithful words with our mouth. Everybody say, with my mouth. All right, we have to speak. There's no such thing as a as a a silent faith. Faith speaks. God, when He created us, uh, He made us He made us speaking spirits. All right, He hasn't made us silent spirits. He made us speaking spirits. And God wants us to speak. He wants us to declare. When we're praying, we're not just praying to God. And we're saying, God, do this, do that. He wants us to declare. He wants us to speak into certain situations. And as we will uh, see very shortly in some of the scriptures that we'll be looking at, that there is such a thing as prayer. Absolutely, where we are be asking for God. But there is such a thing as the declaration of faith when we declare it. And we're speaking to things like Jesus spoke to the fig tree. All right? So... Let me then say, based on everything that we have looked at so far and what we're still looking at in, as we move forward, that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans chapter 17. So faith comes and faith goes by speaking. So faith has the ability to move. It comes and it goes. All right. How does it come? It comes by hearing. And how does it go? It, comes, it goes by speaking. So faith goes, um, and faith comes. Romans chapter 10, verse 6, 7, and 8. Uh, it says, but the righteousness of faith speaks. Everybody say speaks. All right. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say... In your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring christ down from above or who will ascend or rather descend into the abyss that is to bring christ up from the dead but what does it say the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach all right hallelujah so apostle paul teaching us here about faith. He's teaching us about righteousness that comes by faith. He just discussed before, you know, we started reading here in the earlier verse, he talked about the righteousness that that is of the law, which is actually unobtainable. He says, but the righteousness which is of faith, he says, um, it speaks. So again, we got two words next to each other, faith speaks faith speaks. It doesn't remain quiet. Faith speaks. Um, and then he says that it's evidently that this righteousness, it speaks in a certain way. All right? It speaks in a certain way. And then, he, he, what does it say? Well, it says, do not say. All right, I want to go through this two, three verses just step by step, phrase by phrase, and, and break it break it all down. The righteousness of faith says, do not say. Now, if you want to walk by faith, there are certain things that you must not say. (laughs) Certain words you, you will no longer use. Because you see, we are learning the language of faith. And we're learning on how to describe situations that are going on in our lives, even things that are negative and negative circumstances, but we are using language of faith to do so rather than language of death. You know, for example, can't afford. This is something that we, we don't use that term anymore. We don't say, I can't afford this. Uh, we say, I choose not to buy that right now. Okay, I just choose not to buy that right now. We, we don't say, oh, I feel so sick. Because that's not a good thing to say. So we say, well, I'm actually standing against sickness right now. You know, we got a, a term around here when somebody's not, you know, too well. We say they're standing, all right? We all know what that means. Because once we learn faith, we, we, we understand the language of faith. And if we want to walk by faith, we have to learn that language. You cannot walk by faith and speak the language of death. You just can't do it because faith, <laughs> you see. So, so do not say... Do not say, all right, we have out the back there, we got a a little leaflet here, we call it the never again list, Uh, and it's got about a dozen of things where it says, never again will I confess supremacy of Satan over my life, because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Never again will I confess doubt or lack of faith because God has given me the measure of faith. And then it goes all the way through. And this is actually in the Victory program, which we also have available. It's helping people to learn the language of faith and to start to speak the Word of God consistently into their life, over their life, over their family, over their circumstances, over their business, over their health, and over everything there is that pertains to us. You take this victory program and you pick a couple of those pages of Scripture and confess them to, twice up to three times a day for a month, you will not know yourself. You'll be a different pe- person afterwards. Your faith will be skyrocketed. It'll just be, I mean, that, that's just what it's for, you see. will it, It'll just do multiple things. So do not say, and then Paul goes on to say, don't say, uh, you know, the righteousness of faith doesn't say, oh, who, needs to, who will go up to bring Christ down from above? Because th- he is right now in heaven. Who will bring him, him down? And, and do not say who will go into the abyss to bring him up. Well, he's actually not the, in there anymore. So don't say we need to bring him down and don't say you, we need to bring him up. The righteousness of faith doesn't say that. It say, In fact, it tells us not to say that. It says, do not say. And then he goes on to say, but what does it say? All right, told us what it says not to say, but what does it say? And then he says, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. So my friend, if you want the power of God in your life to make you righteous, you don't need to bring Christ down from above. You're not don't need to bring him up. He says the word is very near you. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. And when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, the miracle happens. All right. The power of God to make you righteous is very near, Paul said. And my friend, simultaneously, the power of God... To get you healed is very near. The power of God to make you prosperous is very near. It's not over there, as in Paul was here quoting a scripture out of Deuteronomy where the basically similar wording was used. Don't say, you know, the commandments that I've given you. Don't say that they're so mysterious that you need to travel across the sea and over there or over there. It's right with, right with you. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. Learn to put the word into your heart and speak it with your mouth and the power of God is released. John Austin. Um, who used to be the pastor at the uh, Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, uh, before uh, Joel Osteen took over, who's still there now. John Osteen uh, was one of the original Word of Faith guys that we used to listen to and we were taught by and, you know, got his messages, read his books and everything. And, and he wrote a book called, There's a Miracle in Your Mouth. All right, there's a miracle in your mouth. So, so in other words, the miracle is not across the sea. I need to travel across the sea or I need to drag Christ down from above or bring him up from. The miracle is in your mouth. And in fact, the book's available on, on uh on the internet, in PDF, it's only about 15 pages worth. But it's a wonderful a wonderful truth where he's basically discussing the very thing that we're talking about here today. That the miracle is actually in your mouth. Just watch what you say with your mouth. Don't say certain things anymore, but instead say other things and you will have a miracle on your hand. You know, we used to enjoy uh, Pastor John. uh, He would stand up in this massive church there uh, every Sunday, do the same thing every Sunday. He would hold up his Bible, and he would say, this is my Bible. And then he would say, I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. And he would lead everybody in the congregation, in that confession, they would say every Sunday, every Sunday, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. All right. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. In other words, we're agreeing with what the Bible says rather than how I'm feeling about things. You see, feelings are not truth. All right. The Bible is truth. And rather than speaking our feelings, who are down one day and up the next and all over the place. The Bible is consistent. The Word is just so consistent. All right? So there's something about that. Uh, and, uh, and here is the miracle in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 now, as Paul sort of works his argument all the way through these verses there. He says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord— and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It, it, it's like the miracle of salvation is activated the moment you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord. You see, the miracle is in your mouth. You don't need to have Jesus here physically. Um, Bring him down or bring him up. It's just a miracle is in your mouth. Believing in our heart alone is not enough. Just silently pondering on these truths. You know, that's called contemplation. There's a place for that. A meditation, but then the word needs to be spoken. Jesus Christ needs to be confessed or declared is the Lord of our lives. And it is in that moment that the miracle of salvation springs forth. It is in that moment that conversion takes place. It is in that moment that the power of God is released and somebody who has just confessed Jesus as Lord is delivered from the power of darkness. Colossians chapter 1 and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son, becoming a citizen of heaven. All right? Adopted into the family of God, embraced by God Almighty, to call Him Father, and He calls us His children. It is in that moment of confessing Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives. It's powerful. It's wonderful. And Paul's trying to get that across to us. And what's interesting is that, uh, you know, the Word also says, He says, "As as you have received Christ, so walk in Him. Where is that? Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As you have received Christ. How did you receive him? You received him by the confession of your faith. You heard the word. You found out that Jesus died on the cross. The innocent died for the guilty. You found out that he shed his blood so that the price for our sins will be paid for. And you heard that if you confess him with your mouth as Lord and, you know, repent of your sins, you will be saved. So you heard, you spoke And the miracle took place. And in the same way as we have received him by faith, so we walk by faith and we receive every other promise that we see in the Word in exactly the same way. We hear the promise. We believe it in our heart. We speak it with our mouth. And that's the lifestyle of faith. Verse 10, Paul goes on to say, for with the heart one believes. Where is, where is faith? It's in the heart. Faith is not in the mind. Faith is in the heart. With the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Hallelujah. Okay. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So he, Paul to, to, to brings us right down to basics, all right? So the very basics, are rather than keeping it vague, how do you get saved? You know, you hope. How do you get to heaven? Oh, you hope that one day you get there. No, 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 no. He says you hear about Christ, then you confess him with your mouth as Lord, because with the heart man believes unto uh, righteousness, and with the mouth, with, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And I had a look at that word, unto. Um, and for me, I, I, sometimes I do wholesale reading, and then sometimes I just meditate in, in a verse or two, um, sometimes, a, you know, a chapter. But sometimes I just break it right down into individual words, and I want to get a handle uh, on, on what's going on here. See, the word unto means, means to. It also means into, and it means towards. One translation says, with the mouth, confession is made leading towards salvation. All right? Now, if I were to say, I'm going to the auditorium, when I'm already in the the auditorium, something's not working, I'm using the wrong word. All right? By the way, this is not an English lesson, because I'll come off second best. All right? I just want to point something out. But if I say, I'm going to go over into the foyer out there, then, then it means that I'm going towards that. And, and, and Paul was saying, it is your confession that moves you towards your salvation. All right? It is your confession that leads you into your salvation and forgiveness of sins. See, the promises of God spoken with our mouth move us into our miracle. It moves the miracle to us. There is a coming together, us and our miracle. So it's not across the sea. It's not, oh, I wished I was in heaven because Jesus is there. Or we need to bring him down from above, uh, down from below because he's not even there anymore. He says, the miracle is right in our mouth. Joel chapter 3, verse 10. It says, let the weak say, I am strong. It's basically the same thing. It's the language of faith. Let the weak say, I'm strong. We used to sing a song. Let the weak say, I'm strong. Let the poor say, I'm rich. And all of these other things. Uh, whatever somebody's feeling, no, no, don't say what you're feeling. Say what you'd like to be. That's why you call yourself healed even before you feel healed. You call yourself prosperous, even while you've got financial needs in all directions. You call yourself prosperous because that will lead you towards and into your prosperity. The miracle is in your mouth. Let the weak say, I am strong. You know, we need to say what we wish to be before we are what we say we are. Sorry, I know that that'll take a while to sink in, but that's why we put things in writing and put it into your hands and we make the outlines available online uh, as well. We need to say what we wish to be before we are what we say we are. In other words, let your word go ahead of you. And if you wait until you get there without speaking, you're not going to get there because it is your words that will lead you there. Our confession will lead towards possession. See, nobody wants to be weak. Everybody wishes to be strong. And if you say you're strong, while you're feeling weak, you will become strong and overcome your weakness. That's called walking by faith. You know, sometimes when things are going on in my life and I'm not uncommon for me to wake up at some point in the, in the middle of the night and I just have a bit of a think and uh, and then um, and I try not to think too hard because it'll keep me awake if I do a lot of thinking, so I just meditate on the word and and then I go back to sleep again <laughs> and, and uh, But sometimes when there's a lot of things going on or if I've made certain commitments to certain things that seem a bit that seem a bit overwhelming. And like, oh, I'm thinking, oh, gosh, what have I done? Oh, no, oh, no, what have I committed to? This is just outside and beyond uh, where I am, and I'm not sure if I can do this. And sometimes I get these thoughts, and then uh, then I need to be careful, because I don't want fear to come in, and I don't want a feeling of overwhelmed coming in, because I just, not only do I not like the feeling, I don't like the thoughts, and I don't want to succumb to that. So I just, you know, just nip it in the bud. But then in the morning, you know, I might have had a thought of being feeling overwhelmed, but in the morning I get up and I say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I get on with it. All right? We just get on with it. We just tackle it. It's amazing what we can do. It is amazing what we can do if we set our minds to it and we walk by faith. You know, for this and I, we've got a couple of projects on the go, and I sometimes, go, sometimes we go like Trojans and uh, we work hard and then we sit back a little bit, and I say on the way home, I, I say, Dude, it's amazing what you and I can do. But but we we, we do it not because we're clever or smart. We just believe that God is the strength of our lives. He's the one that strengthens us with might by His Spirit in our inner man. I've been meditating in the Scriptures where it says that Jesus Christ has been made unto us wisdom from God. Righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Say, Lord, You are our wisdom. You lead us and guide us by Your Spirit. We're not left to our own devices or to our own strength. Second Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. I come back to that scripture a lot because that tells me, you see, the key is in Christ. If you are in Christ, it means if you are born again, you are in Christ, all the promises of God in Christ are yes And in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. You see, all the promises of God in Christ are yes. They're not maybe, not possibly, but they're yes. They're yes. All right, I had this uh, study Bible uh, where, you know, you get Bible text, and then on the bottom of the page you get some comments, you know. the, The Bible is inspired, the comments... Sometimes I, sometimes they're not. So, there was this issue there about, discussed about prayer, and, you know, this person uh, in their text then explained to say, well, you know, sometimes when you pray, sometimes God will say yes, sometimes He will say no, and sometimes He will say, wait a while. What a lot of nonsense. Whoever thought that up? It's either the will of God or it's not. If it's in the Word, it's the will of God. All right. And if you're in Christ, it's yes and amen. <laughs> now, I know that these are general statements, and, you know, like you don't just shoot from the hip and say, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I got this. I can, you know, as I say, you, you, you just walk by faith and let God lead you to your wealthy mountain. Let God lead you into your place of health. Let God lead you into your place of peace uh, and into your place of ministry, the anointing that God's given you and the calling that is placed on your life. So we find the promises of God that cover our specific needs, and we start to confess them boldly and consistently. Boldly and consistently. All right? Some things take a while. You know, faith is like a seed, he says. If you had faith like a mustard seed, he says, you would say. You see, faith needs to be sown. Faith is like a seed. And once you've sown the seed, some things take a while. Certain things happen immediately. But other things take a while, so we need to understand that. You know, they tell us in the in the gardening world that spinach you can grow in just a few couple of few weeks. You can grow spinach. But if you want a tree, say an avocado tree, and you plant that seed, then that'll take a while for that to grow into a, into a tree. And then once it's been a tree for a while, after several years, it starts to yield fruit. So that takes a while. So depending on the, on the, the magnitude of the project that you got ahead of you, Uh, or that you set your sights on and, and, and your faith on, certain things take a while. You see, I'm working on a faith project right now. When I go home, I go down to the corner across towards the bridge, and that building that's on the side of the bridge down this side of the river, that's my building. And I drive past it, and I say, You are mine, in Jesus' name. I call you into the ministry. All right? I'm um, so kind of, you know, uh, as I said, I don't want people going around saying, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. So you've got to be a little bit careful how much specifics uh, that you give. But the keyboard is Harvey, all right? Uh, when I drive past that building, I don't see a shopping center. I see a multi-church complex. There are multiple churches in our city here that haven't got a building of their own. Wouldn't it be great if somebody used their faith to bring that thing into the kingdom of God and say, you can have this space over there and there's more than enough car parking. You have, you have that space over there and, uh, and, and so forth. And wouldn't that be great if somebody released their faith? God will give us anything. God doesn't withhold anything from us. He, he will give us anything. He does reading where Jesus uh, is getting ready uh, for his triumphal entry into Jerusalem before he's then tried and, you know, condemned and then crucified. So he says to his disciples, I think somewhere near Bethany, he says, go over into that village over there, he says, and you will find a colt, you know, a donkey, a young donkey that's tied down. Nobody's ever sat on it. Untie it and bring it to me. And if they say, when you untie it, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord has need of it, and they will give it to you. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. So they go over there. Sure enough, there is a, there's this cult. They untie it, and people are saying, what are you doing? And they, t- th- and they turn around and said exactly what Jesus told them to say. Say, the Lord has need of it. And then they gave it to them. And I'm saying to this building, the Lord has need of you. All right? The Lord has need of you. Let me turn to Job chapter 22, verse 27, and I need to move quickly because we've still got communion going on. I'm going to wrap this message up very shortly. Um, Job 22, verse 27 and verse 28. It says, you will make your prayers to him, and he will hear you, and you will pay your vows. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you, and so light will shine on your ways. One translation says, so light will shine on your paths. Now, Job speaks about two separate things here. Job chapter 22. Um, Number one, prayer. And number two, declarations. One translation says, you will decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you. Yes, we pray, and we ask God for things, but for certain things, we just use our authority, and we decree You know, because the Bible says where the voice of a king is, there is power. And God's made us kings and priests unto God. We have power. We have tremendous authority. And God set up a word system where words that are being spoken will determine how things will go and how they will not go. So God hears and He answers our prayers and God also hears and grants us our declarations. Certain things I'm declaring because I want to bring change into situations. Certain things I'm speaking to, such as that building, because it needs to come into the ministry, um, um, my faith is out uh, for that. I'm using my faith uh, towards that. And uh, if I were to look at it in the natural, that would be one of those things that will keep me awake all night. Like, how is this that ever going to happen? And where am I going to get the money? And you know, I'm not touching it in the natural. I'm touching it in the realm of the spirit. We're walking by faith here. If we can do it in the natural, we don't need faith. But we can't do this in the natural, so we use faith, because faith is supernatural. Faith will bring forth supernatural results. Matthew 8, verse 5. Very quick reading, a couple of comments, and then we'll wind down. When Jesus had entered Capernaum... A centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said to him, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes and to another one, come. And he comes and to my servant, do this. And he does it. Jesus marveled when he heard it, and he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. For I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. A centurion is a Roman citizen, not a Jew. Centurion is a soldier that's in charge of a hundred soldiers, having soldiers under him and servants around him. Uh, All right. And uh, this centurion had a servant that was lying at home, uh, sick, paralyzed, and dreadfully tormented. So when Jesus came into town, into Capernaum, the centurion came to Jesus and explained the situation. And look, he says, my servant is at home, and he's not in good shape. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Planning to physically go to that man's house as he had done to other people coming to their house and raising people from the dead or healing them and so forth. And the centurion said, sir, no need. You don't need to come under my, to my house. He says, uh, he says, speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Speak the word only. Only, only speak the word. What's interesting is as we analyze the ministry of Jesus, specifically the healings uh, and the deliverances that he performed uh, and so forth, and other miracles for that matter, he wasn't so much praying to the Father. Say, Father, do this. Father, do that. He used his God-given authority. He, he stood in the front of the uh, tomb where Lazarus was buried. And yes, he did say, Father, I thank you that you have hurt me. And then he spoke to that tomb and he spoke to Lazarus and he says, Lazarus, come forth. So there was a declaration of faith where he'd already done his praying before to the Father. But now he's filled with faith, he's using his authority and he speaks. And uh, this centurion had an understanding about faith, about the very thing that we're discussing beyond what was in Israel. Because Jesus says, I haven't found this level of faith in Israel where faith should be because they were the custodians of the word. The heathens, the Romans, they didn't have the word. That was a Jewish uh, heritage. and, uh, And anyway, but they didn't have the faith. He says, I have not found such faith, no not in Israel. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. He had somehow either heard that Jesus had operated this way, but he more certainly then, when he explained, he says, for, he says, Jesus only speak the word for, I also am a man under authority. See, he, he, he could see that Jesus was under the authority of God and therefore had authority. See, we only got as much authority as what we're under authority. <laughs> and if nobody's got any authority over them, then they shouldn't have authority. All right? So, so it says, I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes. And to this one, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. So it's all about Authority and about an understanding how spoken words cause things to move and cause things to happen. And Jesus, once again, he absolutely marveled. Like, this is like, it's like saying to his, you know, to his disciples, gosh, this is amazing. You know, this guy, I haven't found that level of faith or that level of understanding about faith in Israel. And then he turned around and he said uh, to the Uh, Centurion, he says, Go your way as you have believed, so let it be done to you as you have believed. The man obviously believed, he asked for the healing words to be spoken, and he believed that that was all that was required because you see, words travel distance. Whereas you and I, if we physically travel, it takes time and effort. But words, we can speak here, and words, our words, can touch uh, something on the other side of the world in the same instance that our words have left. Because you see, in the realm of the spirit, uh, words travel, there is, there is no time. He says, His servant was healed in the self same hour. It's amazing. You see, your faithful words are like the centurions, servants, and soldiers. Your words go where you want him to go. Your words will do what you want him to do, and your words will bring you what you tell them to bring you. God set up a word system. The whole universe is set up on a word system. The word universe was created by speaking words, And uh, the whole universe is kept together by the power of God's words. And last scripture here in Proverbs 18 21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You've got much more power at your disposal than what most of us realize. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.